0: Are you saved this morning? Has the Lord washed all those horrible, horrendous sins of your life away and you're made pure and perfect? It's a good day, is it not? To be saved, to be redeemed by the Lord? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for your redemption. Thank you so much for all that we've been learning all the way from Romans 1 to Romans 11 and how much you love us, and how much you have done for us, Lord, and that you've given us such a simple choice to put our faith and our hope in you. God, to trust you, to believe that God raised you from the dead, and to confess you as our Lord, and to be saved by grace, Father, not by works. Lord, we just celebrate that this morning, Father, and we thank you for the opportunity to learn, God, how now, Shall we walk, Father? What should we do with all this grace that you've given us? In your son's name, amen. All right, so this morning we are in the big transition of Romans. And typically, you know, in Paul's letters, he, he kind of follows this sort of format. He'll spend the first part of the letter talking about who we are in God. You know, it's a very vertical orientation. It's like, who, you know, who are we in God? And in, in the case of Romans... How have we been saved through Christ, through faith in Christ? It's this very vertical sort of orientation. And then somewhere in the letter, he makes this big pivot, this big transition to, okay, now what do we do about that? Right? And that's exactly where we are this morning in Romans 12. So just kind of as a, uh, as just a, a really brief top line, you know, Romans 1 through 11, Paul starts out in, in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. Right? And then he continues on, but the Jew, in chapter 2 he says, but the Jew is one in, inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. In, in Romans 8, kind of a highlight verse, he says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he goes into that big, just, pinnacle moment when he talks about, you know what, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There isn't anything, anything in the future, anything in the past, no principality, no power, no, no angel that can separate us from the love of God. And yeah, it's that crescendo, it's just awesome, I love that, that moment in Romans 8. And then he talks about, well, what about, you know, the, the nation of Israel, what about the ethnic Jews, you know, where does this leave them? And, and his answer is, they're all saved by faith, the same way we're saved by faith right we're all saved by faith god has mercy on all of us both jew and gentile through the atoning work of his son that we receive by faith so that's romans 1 through 11 and then romans 12 let's go 12 verse 1 paul says i appeal to you therefore right what's the therefore therefore romans 1 through 11 because all of what god's done for us all of what we have in Christ, the fact that we are redeemed, that we are made holy through his atoning work and through his resurrection. Therefore, in light of that, because of that, brothers, by the mercies of God, and this is really significant. He doesn't say, therefore, now, get busy and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right? He doesn't say, therefore, now, Find whatever charisma you can find, whatever talent you have, and get busy and try to live up to what God's given you, right? He says, therefore, by the mercies of God. It's therefore by the mercies of God, not by works, right? But by the mercies of God, we are going to work, right? The Bible talks about us working, right? But we're going to work by his mercy, through his power. I love the way Paul actually kind of summarizes this whole idea in Titus. I'm going to bounce over to Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Paul says, But when the goodness and, and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. There you go, Romans 1 through 11, right there. Not because of works done, done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's all about God, right? He washes us. He renews us through the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right? So we are heirs according to uh, his mercy, to his grace, and we walk this whole thing out. We walk this gospel out through his mercy, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I just want to make that clear once again, least any of us decide, you know what? Okay, now that God saved me, I still have to somehow earn his favor by doing all these things that, I'm, that we're about to talk about. And by the way, if, if some of you I know just love to have a list. love to, you know, you're very practically minded, and it's like, you know what? John, just tell me what to do. <laughs> just give me the list, right? And Paul's been way up here, you know, very... Very theological, and it's like, okay, enough of those branches and roots and stumps and all these crazy ideas. Just tell me what to do, right? Well, this is your Sunday, okay? Because Paul's going to tell us exactly what to do, but we do it by his grace. We do it by his mercy. We do it in light of the salvation that we have in Christ. Amen? All right, so Romans, back to Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what do we do with all this grace, this great treasure that God's put in us? We offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. I love that he says a living sacrifice. As Mike mentioned Saturday morning, there were a lot of sacrifices kind of stumbling around uh, Saturday morning from the all-nighter that the youth had, but I'm not sure they were so much living. They were more just kind of, (laughs) kind of there, kind of present, but it's not that we are in a place of this kind of heavy laden duty obligation, and we walk around half dead with all this weight on our shoulders going, oh, oh, yo, you know, this is what religion is. I got to do all these works so that God doesn't get mad at me, right? It's we are living sacrifices. You know, it's not only that Christ died and atoned for our sins, but he resurrected from the dead and is living and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he is interceding for us daily. He is alive today. And we are living sacrifices in him. Holy and acceptable to God. How are we holy and acceptable to God? Romans 1 through 11, right? Don't, don't. Don't confuse that. Romans 1 through 11, we are holy and acceptable because of the work of Christ, which is your spiritual worship. And that word translated worship is also translated in other places. It has the idea of worship, it has the idea of service, it has the idea of practice, the idea of ministry. So your spiritual worship, your spiritual ministry, your spiritual practice is to be a living sacrifice. Well, what exactly does that mean? How do we operate as a living sacrifice? And what do we sacrifice? And in what context are we sacrificing? How does that all play out? And that's what we're going to look at in the rest of this passage here. So the first thing you need to have when you're, when you're wanting to be a living sacrifice is you've got to get a new head, all right? So we all need new heads, um, and, and how we get new heads I'm going to talk about. So verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, the renewal of your mind. Look at those two words, conformed versus transformed. When I, when I think of the word conformed, I think of like a wet spaghetti, like a cooked spaghetti just kind of draped over the counter, and it just conforms itself to the counter. That's kind of the idea of conformed. Versus transformed, I think of like a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. Okay, It's not just sort of taking your old broken self and kind of trying to conform it into some other shape, it's like you are completely transformed into Christ. We are a new creation in Christ through his atoning work that we receive by faith. And our mind needs to be transformed in the same way. And it's a process, okay? Are, have, are, have any of us arrived yet in terms of having our mind completely, perfectly transformed? You never have, a per, you never have an evil thought. All you think about is, perfect love and God's glory and how to serve and bless your, your neighbor? Anybody, anybody arrive there yet? No, right? So that's an ongoing process. And, and all of what we're going to talk about is an ongoing process. It's not about perfection. It's about progress, okay? Progress, not perfection. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you have your mind transformed? Well, Romans 1 through 11 is a really good start to having your mind transformed, understanding that you are saved by faith, understanding that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, right? That's a big start to having your mind transformed. But then there's some really practical ways, and I'll I'll call that a lab, where your mind will, on a continuous level, be transformed over time, and we're going to get into that. But as your mind is being transformed, What that then empowers you to do is to test and discern what the will of God is. So the second part of of verse 2 is, um, let me read the whole verse again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as your mind is being transferred through the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding the gospel, right, and practicing what we're about to talk about, you're more and more and more able to test what is the will of God, to understand what God's purposes are in your life and the lives of the people around you, in the life of your church, you know, in the life of what your, your life mission is. It's, that's an ongoing process where you get more and more clear on that as your brain is more and more transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of, of the gospel. All right? So where's this lab? How do we work this out? How do we engage in this process of being a living sacrifice, having our minds continuously transform? And that's where, where we go next, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So self-assessment, self-esteem, self-help, I mean, as a culture, we are obsessed with this subject, are we not? I mean, you go into any bookstore, how big is the self-help section of any bookstore? It's it's huge. We are, as a culture, we are obsessed with ourselves. And Paul's basically saying, you know what, you need to kind of get over yourself a little bit. You know, don't think too much of yourself. And there's kind of two sides of the same coin when, when, when it comes to thinking too much of yourself. One side of the coin is you're just straight up arrogant, right? You just think you are God's gift and your gifts are better than everybody else's gifts, and you're just straight up arrogant over here, and you're comparing your gifts to other people's weaknesses, right? That's just straight up arrogance. The other side to that same coin is is the person over here who's saying, Oh, I'm just a horrible, awful person, and they tend to compare their weaknesses to other people's strengths, other people's gifts, right? And I'm horrible, and I'm awful, and I'm a worm, and I'm palm scum, right? And there's probably aspects of that at certain points in our lives where that's true, is it not? That's why we need the gospel. But what Paul's saying is, no, be real. Take an objective, honest assessment of where you are, what God's given you, and walk that out by faith. Don't overestimate yourself, don't underestimate yourself. Just be honest. Be real, be objective, okay? And part again what we're going to be talking about here in the next few verses will help you in that. That's also part of the transformation. You'll get a as I think as we progress in our faith, we get a more clear idea of who we are, how essentially how awesome Christ is and how much we need him. I think a saint who has really progressed a long ways is a saint who knows that they're extremely limited and that they're ultimately very dependent on God for just getting up in the morning, much less anything else, right? So, um, you know, the self-assessment should be sober, right, and and based in reality and truthful. And now move on. Don't stay stuck there, you know? It's not about yourself ultimately, and that's where Paul's going next, and, and these ideas are very much tied together, and one strengthens and reinforces the other, so verse 4, so first point was get a new head, point 2 is test and practice your living sacrifice, and, and verse 4 really gets into how we test and practice our living sacrifice, so, and, and my third point was test and practice getting over yourself. So I'm on to my fourth point, which is test and practice being a member. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Do you understand that you don't belong to yourself? And this goes a long ways towards really having a sober, clear judgment of yourself you know what? It's not about you, ultimately. It's about us, and it's about God with us, right? And, and what you do with this amazing treasure that God's put in your heart, this amazing gospel, the way you walk out being a living sacrifice is by being part of us, being, being a member, right? And I'm not, you know, formal mem- church membership, whatever, we, that's a whole other discussion. I'm talking about something deeper than just having your name on a roster, right? I'm talking about belonging to each other. And notice how it's hard to say, hey, I'm all that, I'm so superior than everybody else, when you recognize that you belong to everybody else. You're part of everybody else. And whatever gifts God's given you by his grace, and whatever gifts you walk in by faith, belong to the group. They don't They don't belong to you. They're not yours to keep. God's given them to you to share. So walking as a living sacrifice means whatever faith God's given you, whatever God's given you physically in this body, whatever he's put in your mind, whatever gifts he's given you belong to the group. And that's what it means to walk as a living sacrifice, right? Vice versa, if, you're, if, you're the, if you tend to kind of come over and here hear and say, oh, I'm, just, I'm horrible, I'm awful, i got nothing to offer, you know what? You're ripping off the community that's depending on those gifts that God's giving you, right? So don't do that. Don't, go, don't come over here and curse the blessings God has given you, right? And don't come over here and just hoard the blessings God's given you for yourself, but rather just receive them, soberly, objectively, and open that up to the rest of the community because we need them. We need you. It's hard to get, well, I guess actually that's true. I was about to say it's hard to get arrogant in team sports, but then I think of some of my son's clients and that's not really true. (laughs) But if you're really a true team, right, and you're really this independent team in a team sport, if someone gets injured, do you, weep with them and grieve with them? Yeah, because it affects you as a team, right? If someone scores, do you celebrate that with them and and get excited with them because they scored? Yeah, because it's we. We score, right? So a big, huge component to walking as a living sacrifice is to share your life with this body. And that can be scary, and I get that. But if you want to grow in your faith in the Lord, you want to grow in sanctification, you want to be a living sacrifice because of all of what he's done through the power of the Holy Spirit, it means showing up in this group and sharing your gifts as well as sharing just who you are, what your needs are. Amen? All right, so we are members one of another, and we need to test and practice being a member. You know, I always think of the church body as God's lab. You know, it's like Sunday morning. The service sometimes can, can kind of be like equivalent to the lecture, but when we go out and we're talking to each other and we're meeting in our in our group studies and we're interacting, we're dialoguing, we're bringing a meal to someone who's sick, all these things that we do for each other—that's the lab. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where living a sacri- living as walking as a living sacrifice really plays itself out. And that's where you really discover also that you need God's mercy in order to do it. Do you not? I mean, it's one thing to think, yeah, I need to do this. But when you actually go to do it, don't you hear all kinds of voices like, well, what are you doing? Who are you to be doing this? You know, you shouldn't be doing this. This is crazy. This person's going to, they're not going to receive it. And maybe they won't. But that's why we practice, right? We need to sharpen our sword. We need to improve our serve. You don't improve your tennis serve by just thinking about how you serve all the time. You have to practice it, right? And this is our lab for practicing that. And it's not just an a, uh, experimental lab. It's a real, living, breathing group of people who really need your gifts desperately. Amen? So let's be members one of another. Next point is test and practice how you value differences in gifting. And we've touched on that a little bit already. But verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, So notice here that Paul, and Paul does this a number of times, he talks about, you know what, we all have different gifts, right? And it's not about whose gifts are superior. It's not about whether or not I'm superior to anybody else or less than anybody else. The point is, God's given me gifts, he's given you gifts, and our job is to share those gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit because of his resurrection, to share those gifts with each other. And it's really important that we have different gifts, Paul makes the argument, what if we all had the same gift? Where would we be? If the whole body was a hand, what would it be? It'd be like, what was that guy, Cousin It, that hand? and Anybody with me on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that hand that would run, run around in that TV show? I don't know. Um, what show was that? I can't remember. Yeah. Which one? Adam's Family. Right. So, what, what would that be like? Wouldn't be good. So, We all have different gifts, just like on the sport teams, right? We need guards, we need sinners, we need wings, we need, you know? And if you're sitting there going, ah, nobody really values, you know, a guard, which that's not true, everybody values a guard, but nobody really values whatever gifting God's given you. It's not important, it's not significant. Where's the team at, right? We all got to show up. We got to show up in practice, we got to show up in game day and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, um, how do you know what your gifts are? Do you have a gift of prophecy? Does that mean you stand, you get, you stand up with a big cane and like a long beard and say, thus saith the Lord out on the street corner and condemn everybody to hell? I don't know. <laughs> what does that look like? How do you know if you have the gift of prophecy? A great way to find where you are or where the gifts are is to practice them to be a member of this group of people and show up and notice, you know what, notice how God speaks through you. Notice how people respond to you. If you hear people saying, you know what, guy? you know, John, I appreciate you sharing that because th- that made it really clear to me. Well, maybe there's a gift of teaching in there that you could lean into, right, and start kind of focusing there. If someone comes up to you and say, you know what, anytime I feel really discouraged, you're the one I'm going to call because you're just always so encouraging to me, right? You just... You just encourage me all the time. You know, you get that kind of feedback, lean into that. Do that more. Press that harder, right? But you're not going to get that feedback if you never say anything to anybody and never participate as a member of this group, right? So you need to engage. Show up. See what shows up as you put yourself out there sacrificially. Sacrifice means what? It means loss. Sometimes it means hurt. Sometimes it means People don't receive us. Sometimes we feel rejected. But you know what? Was Christ rejected? You know, did he die? Did he make the ultimate sacrifice? And then he rose from the dead? He's done that for our sake. We're done. We're complete. We don't ultimately need anything more. But now we can offer that to other people. Right? Right? So show up in this group, see what gifts show up there. You know, you might be a prophet and you just don't know it. Someone says, you know what? Sometimes when you share, it just seems like the Holy Spirit just is speaking right through you, and just God's word is just. I just hear God speaking directly to me when you share something with me. You know, that's a gift of prophecy, right? So engage. the The, the point here is. What do we do with this gospel, this amazing gospel that God's giving us? You know, we receive it by faith and by his mercy, we show up with each other and we offer each other love and compassion and all the things that Paul's going to list off here. And I'm going to kind of blow through this list. I don't know, Robert may want to come back next Sunday and kind of highlight some of these, but I'm just going to blow through them just to kind of get a flavor and just kind of relate it back to the principle that that I believe the Lord's teaching us, which is how do we take what we've been given in Christ and walk in that as a living sacrifice. So verse 9 says, um, this, this section I said, practice love and hate, and I'll explain that in a moment. So let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. That's the, that's the hate part. So if you're a hater, you really kind of enjoy being the hater side of the spectrum, you, you're, you're welcome to hate as long as you're hating evil. Okay, So... Let love be genuine, but abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be soft in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Is that enough of a list for you? We, Paul's just getting warmed up. If you, if you like lists, if you like, okay, here's my to-do. There, this, is, this is the big one right here. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's a tough one. Is it not? Does that not take Holy Spirit power and really understanding how much God has forgiven you, how much mercy God's given you so that you can bless people who actually persecute you? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That goes right back to, you know what? We're here as a team. Somebody does well, we're going to rejoice with them. Somebody does poorly, we're going to grieve with them. If someone is injured, we're going to weep with them. Amen? It's awesome. You know, one of the things I've learned, for a long time I really struggled with how to be with people who are hurting and grieving because I always felt like I had to fix it, right? You know, well, what do I say? How can I, how can I encourage that person? How can I fix it for them? God doesn't call you to fix it. It's not your job to fix it. It's your job to just be there with them and enter into that grief with them. You know, the... Um, the other week, I was with my mom, and she she'd gotten really sick. And you know, we got the typical visit from the ER doctor. It's my second one now. Afraid to have bad news for you, right? And and the ER doctor's thinking she's probably she's probably got malignant um, pancreatic cancer. We don't know for sure yet. What they're going to do? She's, she goes she's the surgeon early this week, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, and it just hit my mom, you know, like a ton of bricks. And, she, and we both just started grieving and crying and weeping. And it's, it's nothing I can do to fix that or change that. But what was really important to her was just someone was there who she knew cared about her and was just willing to, to cry through it with her. And I, and I also find this to be true, and it happened with my mom and I, that once you just accept the grief of it, kind of w- cry through that, then other thing, it opens the door for other things to happen. My mom, she just had knee surgery. <laughs> so she's got this big old giant scar on her knee from her knee surgery, right? Some of you can relate to that. And she's just grieving and she's thinking all through, the, her gears are just grinding like, okay, is this the end for me? Uh, do I, what do I got, like three months, six months? What, what about, you know, and she, start, she starts giving me her, you know. Make sure you know that this is here in this place in the house and this here in this place. And I said, Mom, you know, we're not there yet. Just Don't, don't be giving away all your stuff yet. But, but she's just processing all this and she's grieving and we're crying. And all of a sudden she looks down at her knee at the surgery she had like three weeks ago and she goes, well, darn. I wouldn't have bothered with this knee surgery if I would known all this. And it just struck us both so funny and we just cracked up and we're just laughing. And I'm like, the people next door and the next thing over they're probably like these people are crazy she's got the worst news in the world and they're just like cracking up but it's like you know what when you're just there with somebody and allow them to feel and be where they are it opens the door for other things to happen so don't feel like you got to fix it don't feel like you got to be the encourager especially if encouragement is not your gift (laughs) don't try to encourage but just we can all be there right we can all just show up there and be present um, so, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep that with those who weep, and completely lost my, sit, my place. Verse 16, live in harmony with, with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Again, goes right back to that self-assessment thing. You know, don't be haughty. Don't think you're more than other people. Don't think you're less than other people. You're part of, and you're important because of the work that Christ has done. Um. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Ooh, that one hits me hard. I, yeah. Anytime I think I'm, every, every time I think I'm smart on something, I find out just how little I know. It's amazing. Um, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to, to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Can you be at peace with everybody all the time? Only as fo- so far as it depends on you, right? You can forgive everybody, but you cannot reconcile with everybody because reconciliation depends on the other person as well as you, right? So as far as you're able, for your part of it, you do the best you can to reconcile. You forgive. You're commanded to forgive, and that's within your power. But in terms of reconciling, you do all you can do to reconcile, but you may not reconcile because it also depends on the other person. Right? So you're not responsible for everybody else's choices, and you're not responsible for maintaining every relationship you have. You're responsible for your part of it. okay? Um, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How easy is that? When somebody really burns you, some, somebody really causes you lo- loss, somebody really costs you something, is it easy to forgive them? Is it easy to not take vengeance on them? Is it easy not to find some way to get payback? No, it's, in fact, it, in our flesh, it's impossible. That's why we need Romans 1 through 11. We need to understand that, you know what? Christ has forgiven us all of much worse things and that our hope is in him. Our hope is not in that person who's ripped us off. That's not where our hope is. You know? By making that person pay, you're not going to need anywhere closer to what you need. Right? Our hope is in Christ, and Him alone. So let it go. You know, forgive that person. God has forgiven you of so much. Just so let it go. Does that mean you're a doormat? You just let people run over you? No. Jesus said, "You know what? Don't don't throw your pearls in front of the swine. At least they trample them down and, and attack you." So that a, he doesn't. He never says Christianity. He never says you walk through life with no boundaries. Right? You should have boundaries. Healthy boundaries. But when someone breaks that boundary, when somebody offends you, Scripture also says you don't go make them pay. It's not your job to make them pay for it. It's not your job to, to fix them, either by judgment or wrath or vengeance. Your job is to pray for them, forgive them, and be open and make whatever moves you can make to reconcile. That's your job. All right. So what does it mean to walk as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable? I want to remind you again, none of these things we just talked about make you holy and acceptable. You are holy and acceptable in Christ. And because you're holy and acceptable in Christ, and because you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk as a living sacrifice. And walking as a living sacrifice means showing up in this group of people and blessing them. With that same grace, that same mercy, that same love that Christ has extended to you. Amen? Challenging, yeah? You all shining up for a Bible study this week now? When we start up again in spring? <laughs> and you guys coming to come into halftime so you can show up and, and, and walk sacrificially as a living sacrifice? Amen, man. I'll be there with you, brother. <laughs> but that's, how we, that's where we walk it out, you know? That's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to be an awesome person when you're by yourself. It's much harder when you're in a group of people, right? But that's where God is going to perfect you. That's where God is going to transform your mind and, and flesh out this new creation that he's made you to be, right? And it takes practice. It takes the opportunity to engage with each other and to serve each other and learn how to serve each other. It takes, takes a process. But you've got to show up. You've got to get out on the field. Get out of the locker room, get on the field. Yeah? Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, all of us are just um, 100-pound weaklings in this area, if we're honest. Father, m- many times we'd rather just kind of isolate ourselves and protect ourselves and try to just stay in our own little cocoon, our own little comfort zone. But we miss so much, God. We miss all the things that the butterfly experiences, the warmth of the sun, the beautiful wings, flight, freedom, liberty. Father, free us up from our fears, God. Help us to look to you, Father, for our power, for our forgiveness, God, for our salvation. And as you give us faith in that, God, help us step out by faith to offer that to those around us, to offer that love, to offer that forgiveness to offer that sanctification, Father, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. In your Son's name, amen.